We are on the cusp of a major social change. Do you feel it? Even if you don't, make no mistake, change is coming, and it is going to be unforgettable. I'm your host, Dr. Sarah Hart, and here on Prime Spark, where we work with and on behalf of women over 55, I want to help you find that spark that will ignite your way forward, reflect your gifts to the world, and illuminate your path through this next stage of life. Through these podcast conversations, I hope to inspire you to see how you can make a significant contribution to some of the gnarly problems that are facing us right now. Join me, and together, let's discover our Prime Spark. Hi, and welcome to Prime Spark. I'm Sarah Hart, and I'm so happy you're here with us. Prime Spark is designed for women over 55 or close, with a goal to help us all live our happiest, most fulfilling, and productive lives now and in the future. The mission of Prime Spark is to change the way our society sees and treats older women. That's a big mission, which only means we all need to be involved and we need to get going now. And today I have the great pleasure of talking with Stephanie Flanders Martin, a woman whose work I greatly admire. Stephanie has been in the health and wellness field for the past seven years after a 30 plus year career in the restaurant industry. Although she has practiced yoga since she was in her late 20s, she did not become a certified yoga teacher until she was 52. Stephanie holds her 200-hour yoga certification from Full Circle Yoga and her 500-hour certification with yoga medicine and is a yoga, yoga medicine therapeutic specialist. She continues her yoga journey with yoga medicine as she now works toward her 1,000-hour certification. Her passion is sharing yoga as a way to improve mobility, strength, and balance as we age. Hi, Stephanie. I'm so glad you're here. Thank you, Sarah. I'm grateful for the opportunity to be with you today. So in getting started, let me just ask you, do you experience getting older? And if you do, what is that experience? And if you don't, why is it that you think you don't? I would. Well, yes, I do. And I would say what's been most interesting to me is I would apply it to my now career path, which wasn't my career path at the time, but, you know, the evolution of my yoga practice over the years has really changed as I've aged. So the difference between my practice at 29 and my practice now at 57 is very different. In what ways? Well, I, you know, your different parts of your body change. And I, I would say, you know, as I became a mom, my hip structure changed and that just made me change my alignment and my movements and, and made some adjustments. Um, also as I've aged, I've had, I call it my, uh, angry rhomboid. I have a right shoulder that likes to act up and, um, it has its own name and, uh, angry rhomboid is its label. So, um, I, I just am really careful about anything I do with too much weight or pressure on my shoulders. So while I can still teach those type of things, 
to practice them has become very different for me. Yes, and you probably have become very sensitive and good at working with older people because of your own experiences. Is that true? Yeah, that's actually my passion. So as I've aged and my body has changed, that's really my focus of my teaching practice now is to work with middle-aged women, define that however you like. I tend to have women in my studio anywhere from about 40, 45 up to, I have a student that's 83. Um, and I, I tend to teach a little differently now that my body has changed. And so when I know what their challenges and opportunities are within their body as they've aged, I can speak more directly to that as I'm teaching. And how have you watched women react to that? I mean, what are some of the things you've seen that have been most helpful to them and some of the some of the changes they may have been able to make? Well, I think a lot of it, Sarah, is how I cue. So when, when you go to a yoga class and the teacher will say, right, place your foot between the palms and then rise up as you stand into, you know, warrior or warrior two or whatever that pose is, what I'm able to do is offer different alignments and different adjustments. And the appreciation that I've received back from the community is, I tend to be somebody that over cues. I, I tend to give a lot more cues and think about, um, for example, I'll give you a really good example. I had a client in my studio that just went through breast cancer and she shared with me early in her journey. And I knew based on the placement of her port and think her limitations um, what she couldn't, couldn't do, or what was, what was challenging for her. And she's, I believe she's 64. Um, and so what I was able to do was knowing she was logged in or she was on screen with me, I may have said something like, if your right shoulder's a little tender today, I would offer this type of alignment. Whereas the rest of the class could either take that cue or leave that cue. But I offered it specifically without calling her out at something that she that could help her. Did you say that she was on screen with you? Yes. Yep. Oh. I teach strictly online. Strictly online now or yes. I do my in-person is only on re it retreats. That's interesting. Yeah. So how can people find you if they want to take an online course with you? Is that because I've looked at your website and I didn't see how to do that. Yep. If you go to treeoflifeyoga.studio and then go to the page that says classes and events, and then as you scroll down, you'll see membership and then you'll see our schedule at the very bottom. Right. I think that um, I know some people who have been doing, since 2020, they've been doing yoga online and it has made a huge difference to them. I mean, I've seen I mean, is this typical? I've seen changes in them that aren't just physical. Yeah. So I, I used to have an in-person studio until COVID. Um, and of course, we all pivoted at the beginning of COVID, um, went to Zoom. And what I found with going to Zoom was really being more intentional about who is on the other side, checking in with my community to make sure they were okay, 
What is it you need? I have a very small community and that really affords me the opportunity to know a lot about them and to get to know them. So, you know, it's not my goal to be a huge online presence. My goal is to serve the community that shows up for the classes and really genuinely needs my help. So when I did that pivot, the biggest challenge was oh my goodness, I'm used to being in person where I can see people and I can, you know, read their bodies and their changes. And now online, I can't, you know, you're a teeny tiny little box on a screen. So that made it much more important for me to understand things like what happened to my client going through her cancer journey. Um, And um, I had one client that um, hurt her knee halfway through the first year um, in, in a just kind of fell off the curb kind of thing, stepped off wrong. Right. And so knowing that, right, I can then be aware of, okay, I know she's on, I need to cue differently with knee alignment today, or I know so-and-so's online today. And I always know that by my roster. So I just make those adjustments based on who's showing up for classes. Do you miss not being able to touch the person to make changes to their alignment or whatever? Or did you not do very much of that anyway? I did some of it. That was never a big part of my teaching and practice. What I do miss is being in person in community because I am a, I'm very much an ambivert. When I'm in community, I love being fed by the presence of, of people and, and women specifically. Um, I, I don't miss the commute and the time that I used to, because I would be there, you know, it takes me 30 minutes to get to the studio. It'd take me 15 minutes to set up the studio. I was always, you know, probably for a one hour class, it would be a three plus hour investment of time. Now I have a studio built at home with lights and everything. And so all I do is walk down, you know, five, six minutes before class, see who's on, you know, prep for the class. And, um, and so the time saving has been much, um, much better for me, but one of the pieces of feedback when, when we started coming out of COVID, um, or getting a little more open, I asked my community, do you guys want to come back into a studio? Do you want me to start looking for that? And they all said, no, we like the way it is. We don't have to drive. We can just, if it's bad weather, we can just roll out our mat. So that pivot worked out good for me, but also ended up being a win for them. And that was their request. You know, I think that's happened to a lot of people. I've heard um, several people talk about that. Um, They had offered whatever it was they're teaching. They had offered students um, the possibility of coming back for in-person and people really just wanted to stay online because it was so much more convenient, so much more um, time worthy. I mean, it, it you just saved a lot of time that way. Yeah. Yeah. So, no. And what do you see? Um, I have done a bit of yoga and I think that uh, depends on the kind of yoga that you do, but I think that um, that there's there's additional benefit to the physical part. Do you experience that with with your older women students? Yes. Yeah, so the most important thing that we work a lot on, depending on who's who's in the class, is balance and core work. Because as we age, those are things that tend we tend to start losing or become a little weaker at, right? And our core 
everybody thinks of that six pack abs as your core, but really your core is from your shoulders down to your hips. There's so many more muscle groups involved in that. And when we get older, if we haven't kept the strength through the back muscles up the erector spinae and, and the multifidus and, and that kind of strength in the low back, uh, the side muscles, you know, the obliques and, and the low belly, if we haven't kept that, if we start to trip and fall, it's harder for us to catch ourselves. Whereas if we maintained that with, I use yoga as a medium, right. But many other things, um, it, it helps us to prevent those type of things. Did you notice anything about um, during uh, the, the I, I don't think we're clear out of COVID yet, so I don't know even what words to use, but <clears throat> after the most intense uh, period, were you aware of any uh, effect that doing yoga had on people in terms of being able to be uh, more calm, more centered, less triggered by all of the crazy events that were going on or, or not? Well, I, I, so my observation is first and foremost, if you practice breath work and, and part of every one of my classes is starting with breath, just arriving on your mat and just taking that deep belly breath to let yourself be just, you know, no matter how harried we are through the day, if we come to our mat and we can take breath, that's going to start calming the nervous system. And the nervous system is what triggers a lot of those other things, whether we're in fight or flight, you know, parasympathetic or sympathetic. So I think the practice of yoga, which includes so much more than just the asana and the physical practice, the mental well-being that comes with yoga is about the breath work, the sitting, you know, and quieting the mind. And, and you know, it's hard to quiet the mind. I, I heard the other day a really good description of meditation. And that was the moments we have between thoughts. So thinking about meditation a little differently, instead of I need to sit here, you know, with my palms facing up cross-legged and not some of us can't even do that anymore, right? It's really sitting quietly and the moments between thoughts can be our meditation. I love that. I love that. I've done uh, meditation for years and I have found that there is peaks and valleys in how, quote, good I am at it. Um, uh, and I'm going to think about that. That um, I had a teacher, a, a meditation teacher, say once that the main job of somebody who wants to do meditation is, to, and he said it this way, to get your butt on the cushion. <laughs> you know, people were wanting an elaborate um, explanation of how they what they should do and 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 that and he said that and left it at that. And so I thought that was really appropriate. I loved it. I loved hearing that. Yeah, I think if we do nothing else as part of a meditation practice, if we just sit and be still. The practice of silence has become what's much more important to me as part of my meditation. Yes. So just sitting right? And, and we are just in a society, as our society, we just are really kind of this hustle bustle. What's next? What we're, you know, where do I need to go? What do I need to be? What do I need to do? All these kind of things. As I've aged, my practice of silence and stillness has become such an important part of my day. It's what I do every morning when I wake up. And we have a very noisy world most of the time. And yes. so, um, yes, I agree. So you spent um, a long time in the restaurant business. How did how did you make the decision to go from restaurants to yoga? 
<laughs> it's quite a leap, isn't it? <laughs> um, so my bachelor's degree is actually in home, home economics and nutrition. So that's where I came from uh, many, many years ago. And when I graduated, uh, it was very difficult to find a job in that industry at the time. I had moved out to Los Angeles and the competition was fierce. And I got to that point where it's, it's, uh, I got to get a job, right? I don't care what it is. I got to get a job. Well, I landed in the restaurant business and quick service. And actually, um, the, the beautiful part of that was my career really flourished. I went from working as a assistant manager to store manager, all the way up to the last several years of vice president and overseeing opening restaurants internationally and traveling the world. And so I was really blessed to have a beautiful career, but after uh, the last downsizing or right sizing or whatever you want to call it sizing, right? Um, the company had been sold. I literally had just got back from the Middle East opening some stores and the company had been sold and um, the owners are still great friends of mine, but they decided to retire and the new company um, was very small and they, they just chose not to need my services. So I, I you know, I kind of sat in contemplation, like I can't do this as I age, like I want to be in a place of being in control. Um, and so I went back to the health and wellness business, which is really where my passion has been over the years. Um, and so I started back as a, as a health and wellness coach. And through that, what I saw was a lot of people, women specifically really struggling with stress management and, you know, all these kind of changes that I was going through, they were going through, um, our bodies changing, our, our, you know, our sizes and shapes changing and, um, and society in general, right. Really expecting one thing or, or seeing us one way and, and we seeing ourselves as we are, um, that's when I really thought I I've loved my practice of yoga. Um, I really want to get back to how can I share that with women and that it looks different as we age, right. I, am 57. When I became a yoga teacher, I think there wasn't anybody in that class under over, I'm sorry, maybe 34. I I'm pretty sure maybe 35. I mean, they were all very young, great, great people. I loved the class and the experience, but while they would do head, you know, headstands and handstands, I can't do that because of my angry rhomboid. Um, so I would do other things. And I thought, I love that this is accepted in the yoga community that I was in. Nobody judged me. Yoga is not about judgment. It's a judge-free zone. It's really more about the practice of stillness and, and movement and quieting the mind. There's so many more pieces to yoga that people, um, that you learn more as a yoga teacher and that people can learn more about to, to recognize that as we age. That's interesting, Stephanie, because I love doing yoga and um, I stopped doing it well with COVID and haven't started again. But I think I might have stopped anyway because the place where I was going, I was by far the oldest student. And I couldn't do anymore a lot of what was being taught. And it wasn't that I felt so competitive with, you know, 30 year olds, it was, I didn't feel like I was getting very good yoga because I, I couldn't do anything. Mm -hmm. um, plus where I was going, there were all different. There was, there was, 
there was hot yoga and there was power yoga. And, you know, I just wanted yoga, yoga. (laughs) (laughs) That was, that was very hard to define when people would say, well, what do you mean? I said, well, I want it. I want a breath. I want more spiritual than exercise. You know, I don't see yoga as exercise, even though I think it's excellent exercise. I don't see it as exercise. <laughs> so that's now, Stephanie, I know you do other things that you're passionate about. What what are some of those other things? I love to travel. Traveling and and COVID was very cruel to me in that way, right? I was on lockdown and it was so difficult. But as soon as I was able to um, back to travel, we went. Um, and I've been blessed over the years to experience culture, different cultures. And and um, when I worked in the Middle East, opening restaurants, that was a really interesting experience and mm-hmm. such a beautiful, amazing people in the Middle East. I. I really enjoyed my time over there. Um, I've been blessed to work in Italy and travel several parts of Italy and France and Belgium and gosh, all over. I've just been really lucky. Um, Egypt is probably one of my favorite countries still just from the, the ancient, right. The, the age of the country and the history and all that kind of stuff. So traveling is really uh, a passion of mine. And, and that's why I combined my passion of yoga and I do a lot of retreats. So I take people with me now when I go. Oh, good idea. That um, I was, it uh, reminds me, I was in um, Egypt at one point and I was standing in front of the Sphinx. And I was like a, a four-year-old. I was just, that's a Sphinx. So I turned to the man next to me and I, I could just feel him sort of, moving away from this crazy woman. But I was, you know, how many times have we seen pictures of things like that? And then all of a sudden to be standing and looking at it was just overwhelming to me. <laughs> yeah. In fact, when we, when we went in front of the, and when we went to the great pyramid, I think the thing I said to my husband was pinch me. Is this real? I am so in a happy place right now, just exploring the history of, I think I've watched every discovery channel special on you know, Egypt and the, and the, all the pyramids and all the things. So just to go experience, it was amazing. You've also spent a lot of time in Africa, haven't you? I'm going to Africa this year. Oh, time. Yeah. Just on a, just on a vacation. We're I'm taking a group there. Yeah. I'm taking a group there. We have been to Thailand is where um, one of my favorite parts of the trip, I'm a, I'm an elephant lover and I love to raise money to help save elephants. And so in Thailand, we went to an elephant sanctuary and got to walk with the elephants, which was simply magical. So this year we're going from Asian elephants to African elephants. We'll do a little bit different experience. Where in Africa are you going? We're going to be in Kenya. Um, we're starting in Nairobi and every one of our trips, we try to combine um, you know, obviously we always do yoga. So there's yoga once or twice a day, as often as we can get it in. But, um, what we're going to do this trip is, um, a little bit of a give back in, we're working with women it, uh, one day and the Oasis project, a uh, women that women over there are not, um, they're not considered important. Um, and, and, um, so what we're going to do is hope we've been raising money to help buy sewing machines for women over there. And we're going to help give them a craft and be able to attend a sewing school, get a sewing machine, and then have 
their own business over there. So we're going to do that as part of our trip. Um, and then of course, all of the elephants and giraffes and all the things, but, um, and yoga, of course, but, um, yeah, we always do some type of a give back on every trip we do. It's really, oh, that's wonderful. What did you do in Thailand? In Thailand, we did the elephant sanctuary. So we did elephants, but we also did, um, the gibbon rescue. We went to the little baby monkeys. They're so cute. Um, but unfortunately people take them in as pets and they're not meant to be pets and then they get abused and harmed and they're rescued. Um, and so we went to support that rescue center and we got to make food for them and, um, do that. We recently went to, um, Guatemala, uh, this past summer, and we were really blessed to work with a beautiful community, Casa Flor, which is a weaving community. It's women that weave. Uh, and their work is amazing, but their goal is really to help women in their community learn how to weave. Some of them, the, the women have weaved since they were 10 and they're in their seventies. It's just, their work is amazing. So we got to really give back and we got to weave with the women this trip. Oh, that's wonderful. That's wonderful. Good for you, Stephanie. So of this amazing life you've had, what are the two or three things you're most proud of? Wow. Well, a couple of things that come to mind. First of all, my children, I'm very proud of the people they've become, both very um, successful in their own right and um, doing very well. Uh, my daughter is just a third year in medical school. Um, she's got her master's, her PhD, and then still going. I said, at some point, girl, you got to get out and work, but she <laughs> is, is very good at what she does. Um, and my son is in the political science field and he's an advocate for those that really need him. Um, and I'm really, really proud of them. So I would say that was probably the biggest accomplishment is just being blessed to be able to be their mom and support them as they've grown. I would say the other thing that's really been a huge impact is the career shift that I've been able to make. Um, at 50, you know, 50, I just flipped my whole career on its ear and went from the restaurant business into a career I haven't done for many years, right, just in college, um, and then become a yoga teacher. Um, both of those things very, very different at my age, looked very different. But the yoga world specifically, because um, you don't, I know there are older yoga teachers, but it's not as it's not as visual or prevalent as we age to see that. Mostly, you'll you'll I call them Instagram yogis, right? Because it's more the younger, mm -hmm. um, not right or wrong. It just is what's more um, prevalent. Um, so I think those are things that I'm most proud of. Um, I made a huge um, shift also around age fifty, and. Um, when I talk to people about that, I think it's important to talk about that it's scary. It's very scary. And um, sometimes you have to do it. Like you sort of had to do something. I didn't actually have to do it, except I did have to. You know, that that it sounds trite, but it was the only thing that was more scary that was staying where I was. I mean, you know, um, but I think for women who are of a certain age and are thinking, I just need to do something else. In, in my opinion, they do need to get out and do it and realize it's going to be scary and that's fine. Yeah. And I would say this too, sir. I, there are so many other women in this world that would step right alongside you and walk with you. So don't be afraid to 
to, you know, open your wings and do something different and new. It was really scary for me to do what I did. Mm -hmm. I had been in the restaurant field for 30 years and successful and doing really well. It, I, the easy thing would have been to go find another job in that business. Um, but I just got to a point where I thought, I, I think that, I think I'm done, right. I had finished that path and it was time for me to start a new journey, but boy, like you, it's scary. It's very it's scary. Big- yeah. It's, it's very scary. And um, I think it's really important to pay what you just said. I think it's really important to pay attention to that time that you start realizing, I, I think I'm done with this. And I need to do something else. Because I think if we don't pay attention to that, then our soul sort of dies. And and you wonder, right? You always wonder, like, what if? Well, don't don't wonder what if. Life's too short. Just do right. it. And you know what? You can always go back to something of comfort if that's an if that's of need. But just know there's such an amazing community of supportive women out there that will walk right next to you. Yes. What you want to try. I think that many of us coming at a certain age came through a time when you didn't leave jobs. Um, You know, and if you left a job, you went to a similar job. And so we really don't have a lot of models from, from childhood and early adulthood about people saying, okay, that's just it. I'm going to do something else. I mean, that just didn't happen. When I was growing up, you didn't do that. You worked and then you got to be 65 and you retired. (laughs) So Stephanie, what's left? What is your next, what is a dream you haven't yet realized? Well, I, I mean, I'm, I, I think I shared, I'm the explorer, right? So there's just so many places in this world that I just want to explore and experience. And, um, I just, I feel like there's, there's that, that's part of my journey that I want to continue to grow and expand and, and flourish in. And I've made the conscience conscious choice when we did our first trip to Thailand, which was in 2018, um, that every year I'll take an international group internationally with me because I love to explore. I take people with me now because there are people that aren't comfortable traveling alone. Um, and I'm grateful that I, I love to explore. Let me take people with me and, and see, um, you know, travel through the eyes of others as well. So that's really what I feel is unfinished or needs more time for me is there's so many more places I want to see um, and be and experience. And to me, there's nothing. I mean, it's exciting to me to go somewhere where I speak, do not speak the language. And I have to like, try to figure out how to communicate with somebody with sign language or pointing or laughing together or giggling or, um, you know, helping each other figure out what's happening. Um, that, that just brings happiness to me. So that's what I want to continue to do as I, as I navigate this next part of my journey. And it's always been amazing to me when I've been in that kind of a situation, the extent to which you actually can communicate with somebody when neither of you speaks anything of the other person's language. I mean, there's a lot of things you can't do, of course, but it's amazing what you can do. So what are some of the places you want to go? Well, I have had on my list, Machu Picchu is on my list. I really oh, want to yes. do that. Um, I really would like to um, spend some time in Nepal. Um, we're planning a sound healing trip there where we're going to um, do some some sound healing. And I'd like to do some trekking 
up there. Um, I've always wanted to go to Japan. I have not been to Japan. Um, I really want to go to Mongolia and I don't know what my draw is to Mongolia, but I see pictures and I'm like, Oh, it just looks so magical. So I think there's just some, I really, I want to do an Alaskan cruise. That's been on my list for a long time. Unfortunately, there's such a short window of when you can go um, to some of those things. So, um, you know, there's a little bit of a shorter window. So I have to plan that one a little more intentionally, I guess, but. Which means you need to get started thinking about it and get it on the list and get it on the calendar and start. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, when you leave this earth, what do you hope your legacy is? Uh, You know what my happy place is, Sarah? I love connecting people. I love, there is nothing more nourishing to my body than knowing that I met somebody that needed something and I was able to connect them with a resource that could help them. Even if it's a, oh my gosh, you have to meet, you know, my friend so-and-so they're like, you guys are soul sisters or whatever. I love connecting people. So I, I really want to continue to do that through my life and leave this earth knowing that I've connected the right people to the right people um, and helped them, you know, nourish each other's lives in different ways. So she connected people. (laughs) You know, I heard you say a little bit ago that you were an ambivert. What does that mean to you? So an ambivert is somebody that can, I can definitely plug into large communities, um, you know, be, be in big groups and I'm totally finding in big groups, but when I'm home, that's a really good recharge place for me too. Now, what I noticed during COVID, this is where it became really interesting for me, but um, an abnervert is somebody that can really flex, right? Back and forth between in, introvert and extrovert. I, during COVID, it was great, like the first week. And then after like the second week, I was like, how much longer is this? And then by the third week, I was like, when is this going to be over? Um, so it was interesting to be just to notice and really tune in and be aware of how much I am fed by being in communities of people, but then how, when I'm home, I can be fed as well. It's just a different way. So I'm, because I'm aware of that and how my energy is in different situations, I, I just know when I can and can't navigate those different things. Right. It's, um, I remember at one point I was in a group and we were talking about um, introverts and extroverts and the extroverts said, I don't know why everybody makes such a big deal that introverts like to be alone. I just, I like to be alone. And the teacher said to this guy who said that, well, how, how long, how long do you like to be alone? He said, well, I really like one Saturday afternoon when the family goes out and I've got an hour or two by myself in the house. (laughs) And one of the introverts said, that's really interesting because I think I would say the same thing about maybe two or three months. <laughs> oh, I found that so amusing. Yeah. A friend of mine at the at some point in COVID said, you know, I'm an introvert, but I'm not a hermit. And um, I thought that was really interesting. Oh, Stephanie, this has been fun. We are um, coming to the end of our time. Somebody wants to get in touch with you. Um, you said your website before, but if that's the way, then would you say it again so that so that yes. people listening can find you? Yeah, of course. It's treeoflifeyoga.studio, or you can always um, email me at t-o-l 
yogastudio at gmail.com. Just say that one more time. Yep. T-O-L. So T-O-L tree of life, the initials yogastudio at gmail.com. Good. Thank you. That's our time today. Please join us again. You can find our Prime Spark podcast on every popular outlet. Find more about Prime Spark at www.primesparkwomen.com. Thank you so much to my guest, Stephanie Flanders Martin. And don't forget, you can find her at treeoflifeyoga.studio. Thank you. Thank you for being with us. Take care, spread tolerance and love. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed today's episode and would like to stay updated, you can head over to my website, primesparkwomen.com and get my free spark guide, seven questions to ignite your spark to help you discover your own spark. See you in the next episode.